Neil Shonville was handed his first manager's job last April after Les Mahego boss Rab Irving moved upstairs following a 17-year association with the club. With just two players signed for the season, Neil had to work quickly to rebuild a squad which had drifted away after the Gow skipped the Covid hit previous campaign. It's been a baptism of fire for the veteran centre-half, who signed on as a player too. Neil joins us this week and tells us about getting to grips with life in the dugout, including seeing his one goalie get sent off four times. Never one to shirk a challenge on the pitch, Neil talks about having to get used to the modern day player not hurting as much as he does after a defeat. He and Paul discuss the death of the no-nonsense defender and the rise of the AstroTurf generation. There's also the moment former Motherwell star Colin O'Neill made him cry. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, no game to be involved in as a manager this weekend, uh, Paul, but um, were you out and about taking in a, in a match somewhere? I was, yeah. I went to watch Lanark United v Perthshire, Glasgow Perthshire. Yeah, it survived the weather because it was getting played at the John Cummins Stadium in Kirkluck. Obviously, Moor Park in Lanark uh, is getting renovation work done after a... Uh, the, the high winds took down the stand. So, yeah, it was a, a game that survived the elements but was very much affected by the elements. Mick Big Neil there as well. He was at the game. Uh, Half time, I think, it delayed because of the, the bad weather and the rain come down. And probably a one each draw was a, a fair result, but probably a result that Perthshire could have done with because they're in this kind of middle band in their conference. Uh, and I think he would have got them away. I think it's Lark Cole Thistle are below them. Uh, for Lanark, another draw. Uh, Simon Eels has obviously brought some new players, guys like Carrie Campbell and that, into, into the squad. Uh, but they've only had one win all season. There's another draw for them, but probably a valuable point for them as well. And what do you like now you're not managing? Are you are you able to get a half-time pie in a, in a Bovril and, and stuff like that now, Paul? Are you able to sample the delights of the local uh, local football clubs? No, because Neil and Drew Lindsay were in the queue for me. There was none left. Time I got there, was there? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I could have done with one on Saturday, right enough, because it really was wild, honestly. But it was only, I think, maybe only three games survived in a Conference B. A, in fact, maybe it was only two games that survived in Conference B. A, but the aim for me now is just to keep going out and watching games on the Saturday, and I've done that the last couple of weeks. Good stuff. Uh, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the description on your podcast player too. Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. 
or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. As Mahego boss Neil Shonville is with us this week. Thanks for being with us, Neil. Thanks for having me. Before we chat some more, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One down all the way into the lower leagues, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. This week, Paul has the clues. Right, it's so simple this week. It's so simple. I'm only giving you three clues. Neil will get it straight away, honestly. Right, they were formed in 2007 with an under-8s and under-10s team. They applied to become a junior football club in 2015, and they've had six managers in their short history. I think Neil's got it. Look at that. It's so easy to think we're going to get some points. I think uh, I think there's going to be people complaining. I don't think it's I don't think it's easy at all in the sense that I think you've only just picked three clues because you couldn't be bothered finding a fourth. No, I'll give another one. It would be that would be over, wouldn't it? Three well, clues. There you go. Des Roach has already got it. He's probably just wrote in already. In fact, even our two listeners in Cheltenham, Ben and Tom, I think they'll be. I think they would have uh, got us already. They don't even know the league. That's <laughs> easy. We'll find out the answer at the end of the show. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Les Mahego boss Neil Shonville is on the show this week. Neil, you've you've been um, you know obviously playing at the Gow uh, before stepping up to become the manager. Uh, you became the manager, I think, last April after Rab Irving uh, went and moved upstairs. I think the club only had two signed players at the time. What what was that kind of period like? You know, being thrust into the the dugout and having that to deal with. It was, it was difficult. We had two signed players, as you said, with Jordan Whitefield and Dan Ligate. They were only two I had left. Um, so it was basically dig out the contacts I had, <laughs> players I played with, players I played against, and try and get a team on board. And it was a it was a, a busy couple of weeks trying to get that sorted. Um, myself, my assistant, my assistant at the time was my brother-in-law Alan. And then uh, coach Nicky Patterson. So three years with players coming to my office in Motherwell. We were um, players coming to the office in Motherwell, and it was just a whirlwind. It was, it was, uh, but it was enjoyable. It was good trying to get players on board, and we managed to get more than what we expected to. So it was, it was pretty good. What was the reason for that, Neil? Was that because when COVID struck, Les Hegel decided not to go into the into the league. They decided to take a break. Was that just a case of? Maybe you'd lost one or two players through that, or was there any other reason? No, it was basically um, Les Michael decided to take a break from it and take the year out. So, as you know, Paul, the clubs had the choice whether to take the break or whether to continue playing, and Les Michael decided to to take the break, and all the players decided to go and play with other teams. Um, so it was a matter of trying to get the players to decide to come back and play for Les Michael, or whether they wanted to go and, and stay where they were. Um, you, you know myself, I went and played with Bells Hill, so it was um, the same scenario for myself. Was was there extra pressure going in there after a guy like Rab as well? I mean, was it a bit like uh, following Fergie at Man U? Well, yeah, probably. Rab's well thought of up there, so he's been there all his days. 30, I think it was 17 year all in, I think, maybe, um, connected with the club, so... Yeah, it was it was very hard, but somebody had to do it, and <laughs> it was me that fell on. So um, 
No, listen, I was grateful with the opportunity they've gave me, so I grabbed it with both hands, but um, we'll see how it goes. Has, has he been, I mean, is he? he's obviously still there at the club, he's not left the club, has he been somebody you've been able to, to lean on, especially in those early days when you're still, you know, finding your feet a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Rab's, Rab comes to training every week as well, so he's oh. always there to lend a hand if I need be and an ear to, to nip as well. So, yeah, he's been a, he's been a good help. And, and what has it been like? Has it been what you thought it would be? I mean, I, I saw at the start when you took over, you know, you're aiming aiming high like 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 you should be, I guess. Um, has it has it been has it been tougher periods that you couldn't just plan for at times and things like that? Has it been a real kind of eye opener that way, a real experience? Has- it has been some of the things that's happened this season's unbelievable. Um, our goalkeeper's been sent off four times. We were running with one goalkeeper, and at one point we had to play Nicky Ingles. Nicky's Nicky's a centre midfielder, and he had to play Ingles down at Whitlitz. Our goalkeeper called off at eleven o'clock in the morning, and we couldn't get another goalkeeper, so we had to play our coach Ingles. Alan, our, my previous assistant, his uh, he played Ingles four times because our goalkeeper wasn't available. So. They, they sort of things test you, and, it, and it's listen. You learn it in your first year if you have to deal with these sort of things. Then it can only get better. We've touched on the show the last few weeks about the conferences and how they've been, and that is tough. That is tough for clubs eh, coming up against teams that probably should be playing at a much higher level as well. Les Mahego is a club, semi-professional club in Scotland. Over the years, has been a massive club. Do you see them still? Can you see them in years to come becoming a force again? Because, you know, we look back over the years, when Rab Irvin played in the teams, getting to, you know, Scottish Cup semi-finals and stuff like that. And they've got quite a big support down there and the community will support them. Can you see them as a club getting back to the top level? Definitely. The club's huge. Um, and the, the committee work their, work their socks off to get funding and stuff for the, for the players. So I, I can see them getting towards the top and it, it just it just takes time really and as you say Paul this season and probably next season as well I think with the conferences it's going to it's going to take time to bed out and sort the teams into where they actually should be because you've got teams that are maybe overperforming and performing a lot better than what they've actually expected to do and they're up the top end of the tables might find it a lot harder next season because they're in teams that are coming down for the Premiership and they're playing against better budget teams that are it's, it's going to be hard. You mentioned Alan played in goal. Uh, you signed on as a player as well, didn't you, uh, at the start of the season? Yes, I did. Um, I'd played a couple of games at the start. Then I thought it wasn't fair myself playing and players not playing causing me being in the team. Um, and then we made the decision that I would go back and play maybe six, seven games into the season. At that point, we started to, we turned a corner and we were going a wee run. They'd only lost two or three in 12 games at one point. Um, and then, unfortunately, I got COVID as well. So All right. that knocked us back a couple of weeks. So then the team, they won again, they won again. So that I just stayed out the team after that um, and, get, and gave the, let the guys go and play. So... I- I know Neil, you're going to be dis- and I know you personally. I know you're going to be disappointed probably with the season that the girls had. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I've spoken about it on here is how you measure success. And you, you know, you look at my old club, New Mains, who you previously played for, I think, didn't you? Uh, well, when they were Coltness, I played for Coltness. So kind of in that journey where they've been. I know, and we've spoken about Les Mahego being a top side over the years. But when you go in. 
and you had two signed players, nobody will ever know unless they've been in your shoes what that's like, how you get players in. I know, I know this year the position, but I don't know what your expectations or, or, or Les Mahego's expectation would, would be. But do you see there is any kind of success when you think of what you've you've had to do and the job you've had to do? Success, first of all, is getting a team on the park. I think <laughs> when you win with two players left. Um, I, listen, it's my first season as a manager. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm obviously going to make mistakes in the first season. It's all about learning, getting your foot, foot in there. Um, as, as you say, Paul Lesmago, in my eyes, a sleeping giant. They should be higher up in in, in the leagues. Um, but when you start with two players, you build a team, and it's all about building and getting in the future. Um, so I, I think getting a team on the park first of all was a success. The results haven't went the way we've expected them to go, um, but we can only improve. So on a, on, I'm trying on a positive note because it is it's such a hard job and I don't think people it could be a lonely job. People don't realise what managers go through, especially when you're at that end of the table. And I think the likelihood is probably Les Mahego will be in Division Two next year. Uh, I don't know how many games you've actually got left. Uh, so next season going forward, what are you looking for? What kind of attributes are you looking for in the player? Are you do you see Les Mahego? Well, I certainly see Les Mahego as a team. If they get it right next year, they'll bounce straight back out of Division Two. Yeah, listen. If, if we end up in Division Two, there's still we still got a wee chance to get in League uh, Division One. Uh, if results go our way and we, we go on a wee run to what, from now until the end of the season, so we're still confident we can still make it there. Um, but listen, sometimes it's if you end up in Division 2, it can be better for you. The confidence gets up there. You win more games, you get there challenging for the league, and then you get promoted. As I say, I'd done it with a, as a player when I was at Yoker. Went in with John Brogan, we get relegated our first season, and then the next two seasons we won the league, and we get promotion straight out of the next league. So sometimes it can work in your favour, just dropping down that division and then working your way back up. And in terms of players for next year... Neil, if a boy's showing the appetite to stay with you, they, I'm looking on the, on the internet and a lot of clubs are in talks with their, their teams just now. Uh, players are signing on for next season. Is there certainly plenty of appetite for boys to, oh, to stay? Definitely. We've started talking to players as well. So, um, yeah, the, the, the ones that we've spoke to already have been very positive. So, uh, aye. so they're, they're, they're keen to stay there and they, they're, they're happy to be part of something we're trying to build at Les Mahego, So. Just for the listeners uh, who don't know, um, I think you're sitting 13th in Conference A at the minute. Um, your game at the weekend, the fourth was postponed because of the weather. Uh, off to Govan this week? Yep, a long, long uh, trip down there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if a win down there, I mean, you mentioned you've still got an outside shot of, of making Division 1. If you win that, you know, you, you've got, you have got a couple of games in hand over them as well. You know, and it's quite bunched down there amongst three or four yes. clubs, isn't it? So a win there could actually make a heck of a difference. De- definitely. I think from us to Glasgow Uni, who are sitting in ninth just now, it's a 10-11 point gap. But we've got two games in hand of them and still to play them as well. So, listen, you take one game at a time, but you've got to look into it as well and see where you're sitting and how you can get there. So... We look at it as that's our aim to get there. We'll still play them. We've got two games in hand, which then narrows the gap if we win them to two points. So it's still doable. It's a hard, a hard ask, but I believe our players can do it and they believe they can do it as well. So we'll take one game at a time and give them... Listen, we've got seven cup finals now, so 
uh, given starts on Saturday. And have you actually then, I mean, I mentioned you you registering as a player earlier in the season. Ideally, ideally you you don't want to be playing at all now. Ideally, that's that would be <laughs> the ideal world, yep. Um, I'm always there to be called upon if need be. Uh, I, I, listen, I still feel I could do a job playing. Um, I'm, cut, I'm <laughs> touching 40 now, but uh, I, still, I still feel I've got a couple of years left in me as a player as well, so... Um, I'm always there to be called upon if need be. I think I'd, I'd said to you on Saturday when I met you that you should still be playing anyway. <laughs> Neil is a handful to play against, even attacking set plays and stuff like that. You've had plenty of joy over the years doing that. And I think your team's probably poorer, poorer without you. But how have you found that transition, Neil, going from being the player? Because you were obviously at the club Maybe not so much because you had two players, so maybe some fresh faces coming in. But how have you found that transition from player to manager and getting that balance? Because I think I think I come down to the Irvin Vicks game and you were playing that day as well. And certainly your defence, I think, needs you in it. It's it's a it's a hard one. Uh, so as I said, a lot of the players that I've got in the team I've played with, I've played against, they've, they've been teammates. So it's hard to switching off from being a teammate to a manager. Um, but when I'm playing, that's where Nicky steps in. He he takes a kind of managerial role on when I'm playing. So we've got a good mix here. And now we've added Drew in as well. So Drew's part of the management team. So we'll get a good we've got a good management team there. So um it's hard, it's difficult, always difficult being a manager and playing because if you make a mistake yourself, then you can't you can't shout at yourself. So <laughs> Ah, I think Craig at New Mains found that as well. Guppy, he kind of stepped it. He he actually decided he wasn't going to play. The fact that every time he played, he gets sent off as well. And, and then, <laughs> there's not a great deal you can do right. about that. So, does it, I mean, when, when you play, are you able to just be the player? Or, I mean, you know, you, you, you see some managers, you know, they, they just basically tell their assistants, don't they, right? You're, you're almost kind of running things while I'm, I'm on the park. How, how have you managed that amongst your staff? I think, I think at the start, when I played the first couple of friendlies, I was trying to manage plus play as well. And yeah. you can't do that because you're trying to concentrate on one thing, you're trying to do the other. And it, it just mixes your head up and puts you in funny places. But recently when I've been playing, I've just left it to them at the side to manage and and I'll, I'll just concentrate and playing while I'm on the park. Um, lucky enough, they've not been set. Well, I have been sent off, get sent off against Muir Cup, but um, we were winning three 0 at the time, so it's all right. That doesn't count. <laughs> but I'm think it's fair to say, Gareth, that the referees are frightening. I mean, I don't know how tall Neil is, but he must be what, six foot. What? Six four. Six four. Six four. He's a giant on the park. He likes a kick. He likes a flick. He likes to grab. A, he likes to grab. A, I was gonna say a jersey, but a belly. Do you know what I mean? It's horrible. Do you know what I mean? But you know, he knows. He knows the dark arts. Is he knows the dark arts? But I never see him get sent off much. It's all. You never know when you do it because he's a very good football player. He has a very. Was was management always something you'd um you thought of over the years, Neil, or was it something that came a bit more sort of towards as you were you were getting, I don't know, mid thirties and, and and later? I've always wanted to do it. I've always, I've always said I would meet. I've always said to me, Drew, me and you'll be a, a, we'll be managing a team towards the end of their career. We we started off playing together at New Mains. Eh, New, well, Coltness as they were called back in the day. We were eighteen year olds, just first first stint at junior. 
and we started our career there together and we, fin- we finished it together as well at Les Mihago. So, um, but I always said I would manage and I, tried, I had a wee stint in an amateur game at Simon and Tinto when I was out injured. I was in the hospital for an operation and Drew at the time was playing with Simon and he says, would you know fancy company take the job? And at that point, Mark Bissett was the manager and he was taking a step back. So I said, ah, I'll come in, I'll, I'll, I'll manage. I was out for a couple of months through injury anyway. So I said, look, I'll come and give it a go. But going for junior to down to amateur, a lot of people say it's not a big difference, but it's a massive difference with commitment. People not turning up to training. Just We were turning up to training, it was just me and Drew, and that was it. <laughs> it was just mental. I think for the geography as well, Tinto's no exactly. Oh, no, the easiest place. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest place to get to, is it? Jeez, well, it, was, it was about an hour drive for training. It was crazy. But for, as a club, though, you, we touch on, we talk about lower division, Simon and Tinto, run by two guys, uh, Doogie McMillan and Gus Mackay. Two guys that have, have you ever seen anybody work so tireless at a football oh, club? You know, and I would hazard a guess they're probably still there. I don't even know if they've. they've I think got Gus is still teams. there. I don't know if Doogie's still there. I think Gus is still there. But the setup. It, Simonton's unbelievable. It's 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 set there for a a, a West of Scotland club that should be in the West of Scotland would have got there. It, it's phenomenal um, for an amateur team to have that is is frightening. That is, and, and the clubhouse and everything's good. Yep. And a, a well-run setup, probably as you say. I think in their day they were a, t- a kind of top amateur side as well, they were, weren't they? They were. They were, they were a good amateur side, um, and I think they just kind of dwindled away recently in recent times but I think they've started back up as a Sunday amateur team now and they've got all their, their youth set up down the way so uh, they're, 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 a good, they're a good team and, and what was that like then you, you, you say you kind of you tested the water with management there a little bit that gave you the kind of feel to, to keep going and, and it was something that you wanted to develop it, it did it definitely did um, it was a hard one to go in to test the water but <laughs> We, we went in there, when I went in there, I took a few junior players, I think I took four or five junior players that I'd played with too, Simon and Tinto, and we started to improve, we were getting better, but as I said, I, I just couldn't deal with the people no turning up to training, because I was used to turning up to training with 16 to 18 bodies there, and we were turning up with seven or eight at, at the best, and sometimes two, so I, it was difficult, it was a difficult one, but um, no, I enjoyed it, it gave me a wee feel for it, but then I went back and played junior after that straight away, mm-hmm. and it was, and, uh, um, when when you kind of go into a, a manager's job like like the guy who now, you know, mentioned earlier on about, you know, how the season had gone, but do you go in with, you know, I don't know, how, how you want to play the game, bit of idealism in your, in your mind about, you know, how your teams want to play, the style they're going to play, and then when you actually get into it, it maybe needs a bit of tweaked and it needs to maybe be a bit more, uh, you know, back to front a little bit more just because of the. Do you, do you have to adapt that? You can have these bold ideas, but it's not always the it's not always the reality of it when you start. Yeah, definitely, you've heard it in the head there. <laughs> we were, we were in with a whole idea of playing for the back, get the ball down, play it. But and I know myself, it never works in the in the junior game. It's Russell Bustle. It's it's in your face, and you've got to get about. You've got to win that battle first. You've got to win your first tackle, your first header. You've got to let the guy. As I say to my guys, see see your first tackle. That's when you let somebody know that they're there. And because if if they see you getting that in the first minute, they're not going to come back and get you again. Because they're going to be, oh, he's going to come right through me here, and they're going to be worried. And and that's what you try and get across to the players. But 
as I've said a few times now, that the old school type of player isn't there anymore. It's all your young boys that are coming through, used to playing in AstroTurf, wanting the ball down and playing. And Paul will tell you the parts that we we play on are not suited to that. So I, it's been difficult, but I, we've adapted and we're starting to adapt now. So we'll see how it goes in the last seven games. And that's one thing I have noticed. Some boys, you know, everyone says, oh, you should be bringing boys up for 21s. And, when, and especially when you're at a club, maybe like New Mains, and you've not got a budget and boys are trying to step up. But it's very difficult for boys that have. I mean, if you're 21 now, you are a generation of AstroTurf players, you are, a, you know, when you come, you come to Victoria Park in a January's day, you're not, unfortunately, to your knees. <laughs> the ball down and passing it wide and stuff like that. So from that point of view, then, what would you say makes an excellent junior player at our level? Me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I mean, yes. big says it as well. It should be <laughs> route one. <laughs> Well, what would you say? What would you say makes an excellent player at our level? See, an excellent player at our level. See, for a striker, and, and I'm looking at going forward type of view because it, we, I just love a fast striker that gets the ball and goes and turns and gets the ball by you and runs at you. Because see, if somebody came at that with me, I wouldn't know what to do because I hate somebody running at me with the ball. I and know you would. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Did you still get the same buzz on a on a Saturday morning being the manager as you did when you were the player? Was it a different kind of buzz, or I mean, speak to uh, Paul about it? We, I mean, we talk about how management can take over your life as well. How, how has that been for you? Oh, ask my wife. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, she's like, you're on the phone for the fat bag again. I said, it, listen, it does take over. It's twenty four seven. If it's not dealing with the committee, it's dealing with players. If it's not dealing with players, it's dealing with every, just everything. It's it's a, I, as a player, you turn up, you play, you go back home. And with me, my wife knew when I came in for the, for the football, if we'd lost, she knew, right, you've been beat today because I'd be in a, a rotten mood going in the house and I'd be a stinking mood the full Saturday night. And it's even worse when I'm a manager. So it ruins my full Saturday when we get beat. And it... it Cheers up my full weekend when we win. I'm so much happier. But um, that, that's just the way it is. But I think a lot of people probably, probably tell you that the younger generation, it doesn't hurt them as much now when they get beaten a Saturday. Um, it, it just, I, I would never think he, I don't even talk in the changing room after the game. If we get beat, I'm raging. And I sit and I listen. But you see see the younger generation now, they just it doesn't hurt them as much now when they get beat, I think. I think if you come into the dressing room as well, now... Like, you can tell, and I've said it on this before, you can tell players, and one thing you learn as a manager, there's players in there that are genuinely hurting. There is one or two in there that genuinely hurt. You tend to find the older players that have played the level, hate getting beat. Everybody says they hate getting beat. You have the guys in there that, that you can see are going through the motions, pretending, no, pre- maybe pretending is the wrong word, but... They're in a bit of a bad mood, but you know the man they jump in the car, they're on their phone to their pal, right? What are we doing tonight? Get out for a drink. Aye, that's it. Is there anything wrong with that? I don't know. But then there's people like, I think in management as well, I don't know. I don't know about you, Neil, but I, the first thing I do is analyse what I've done. 
I go in the house and I sit down for I do and I say, right, what did I do the day? What did I do wrong the day? Did I make a change at the wrong time? Stuff like that. When you win, you don't give yourself that, you don't give your, yourself that headspace. You don't say, oh, that was a great substitution I done the day. But as a manager, I think the pressure's completely different. As it's, it's it's totally different. I mean, as a player, you can go and play and you win, you're you're happy with it. But when you lose, you're you might be upset. But as a, as a manager, right, Paul, you come in, you question everything. Like, did I pick the right team? Did I put the right formation out? Did I tell them everything they were meant to know before they were out in the park? We we try and we try and get set pieces up on the board. We try and tell them everything they want to do before before we go out in the park. And you're thinking, did I do that right? Did I do that right? And you're right. It, it goes through your head at hundred miles an hour, and you're you're totally thinking everything. And how you can improve. Um, There's also an element about you talk about set plays. We always prepared the set plays. We'd have a team up on the board. I'd have put all my set plays up. And then, you know, I would make sure everybody's seen the board. Does everybody check the set plays? Do you know you need to be at corner kicks for games? All that, all that kind of stuff. And you walk out there and you say, right, they're keeping one back. You, you two stay back at the park. And you look and the boy that you've told... To stay back. Is there another thing? It's up the other end. I'm going to call the kick you to yourself. Things like that used to just drive me up. It is. Insane. We, 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 we do, we do three, three set pieces. And honestly, you tell them where to be. Where you, you tell them where to be in the park. And then you turn around. And he's not at that right position. He, and you're screaming on the park. You're like, what are you doing? And it, it's, it drives you crazy at some point. Because me and Nicky and Brewer standing at the side like, what? We've just went through it for twenty minutes before we've been out in the park, and they've still no grasp. They've still no grasp it. We're working it in training, and it's it's difficult. That's a hard part. Um, you can only put a team in the park, Paul. That, that's that's what I say, um, and it's down to them to do it on the park. But you, we take responsibility at the side. Whatever happens with results, whether they win or they, they lose, um, it, it comes in your head at, at the end of the day. That's right. You, you need to stand there and take the can for them on times and nothing worse than you've been on a heavy defeat and they kind of flat you. Not so much the flag, but you're standing there taking it and it comes back to that mentality, doesn't it? The boys, you know the minute some of them are out the car park, you know, eh, they're on the phone, what we're doing tonight. And that, that's, that's the bit that I, probably the bit, in the last game against Kello that we resigned, probably tipped me. And if I'm if I'm completely honest, do you know what I mean? And I, and I said it on here, a player making a mistake that doesn't hold his hand up and says he made the mistake and would say, well, you, you, should we not be playing football there? And, and, and to me, playing a square ball across the back... You know, it's, it, it is, and he's saying, well, we're not allowed to play football. And I well, say... You know, there's plenty of plenty of chances to play football. You've, you've actually eighty minutes to play football, but then you've decided to do that ball, and it's stuff like that that probably kind of got to me at the end. I mean, what I tell, I tell my, you know me, Paul. I wasn't a, I wasn't a, a flary centre half that would get the ball down and play. I uh, want my headers. I don't know about that. <laughs> over at the back. <laughs> I, I want my headers. I want my tackles, and I and I cleared it. Right, I'm maybe going a wee mazy every now and then, but I say to my defenders, be defenders first and foremost. I see that's what you're there for. No, I'm not being hard on them. Saying if you were, if they were, if they were meant to get the ball down and play, they would be playing further up the park, right? So 
be a defender first and foremost and give it to the flare players who are playing from middle to front. That's what they're there for. They're there to play the ball. You're there to defend and stop the goals happening. And that's why I try and tell my defenders. Um, sometimes it, they take it in, sometimes they don't. You see them try to do cross turns at the edge of their box. So, um, <laughs> but it's very, very hard. And the younger ones coming through, you don't get the old school centre half who just wins their headers and wins their tackles. And you don't get that anymore. I think I'll I think I'll sum Neil up when I was down at the the last time I was down at the game the Irvine Vicks game. It was a horrible day. It was one of the worst days. The part shouldn't have been played. You had an area in front of the goal that the, the referee's saying. Now, that referee come and done a pitch inspection on our pitch before the game and called and it off. It wasn't as bad as yours. I, it wasn't as bad. And then there was a big puddle in front of the in front. And I must have thought it must have been five minutes into the game. I've seen Neil sliding in right through the puddle, soaking. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a long 90 minutes with these shorts on, big man. And <laughs> oh, that was the first tackle to it. It was unbelievable. But you talk about players not making those kind of tackles. You talk about players not like hurting after a defeat like they used to. Do you think that's gone now? Do you think the the, the, the days of New, of Neil Shonville's coming through the through the grades again? You, you won't see they're like, or if you do, they're going to be never a rarity. Be like me, Gareth. You'll never be like me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like guys who 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 care and and take it home with them if they don't do well and stuff like that. Do you think that has gone? And if it's gone, why is it gone? Is that just society now that's changed and and it's got softer that way and and and, got, and people don't like um you know dwell on things like they used to and they move on and it's an immediate society where it's just the next thing that you're doing and the next thing that you're doing and stuff like that. I think it's a lot to do. Uh, listen, the development leagues, the 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 youth leagues, everything bringing up. But I think it's a lot to do with the way the coachings went, the way forward the coaching. You, you, there's nobody like I'll give you a when I was playing. John Brogan was my manager for about 13 years in my junior career, right? Now, see if you'd done something, John would like to know you'd done something wrong because you would get the hair dry, the Alec Ferguson hair dryer treatment. Now, you can't do that. You can't do that anymore with the young boys. It's, it, you've got to, you're only, you can only talk to them. If you shout at them, then they curl up into a wee ball and you, their confidence goes to pot. So I think it's a lot to do with the, the, the coaching way as now. It's, um, you, you can't shout at them anymore. That That's the the be-all and end-all I think. Uh, you've got to molly-coddle them, cuddle them, and make sure they're all right. I also think as well, we go back to the AstroTurf player. So we brought in two boys in for Albion Rovers, by the way, very, very good football players, very, technically very, very good football players, who probably come from a generation where the two of them stand in the 18-yard box, instead of getting a goal kick, want to receive it. I have no objections about that. You watch it on the telly on a Sunday in the Premier League and it's, it's brilliant on times and teams can do it. But you need to have a player in the centre of the middle of the park, in the middle of the park that wants to receive that off them. Has, yep. to be brave, has to be brave on the ball, can be able to take it on a wee half turn and carry it, whatever. See if you've no got that, don't play it. And see, and see if you play, see if you have Victoria Park on Saturday and you can't get it across the, the box for the mud. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's old school. Let's, yeah, let's it's, 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 we're, we're, I go kick and we're going wide with it and we're all shuffling over. That's it. That, yeah. that, that, that's the level of football now. There'll be the purists listening to this going, oh, 
that's the problem with football and, and, and that's, you know, coaches like that, like myself. But the reality is, if you have got a nice big Aston Turf Park and that's your home pitch and 90% of your games are going to be on all year, play that way if you've got the players to do it. But see, when you come to tight parks, I mean, look at your park as well. I mean, I think the top corner of your park must be, I don't know, must be six foot higher at the top corner than the bottom six, corner. I think it's six foot higher or something. That's that. the top. So it's just crazy. I mean, we play, we, we play the ball up there and it stays in all the time. It doesn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, 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 it's mental. Um, but you're right, Paul, with parks. The parks that we play now, it's great. The Premiership on the telly, their parks are bowling greens, every single one of them. There's not a bobble in sight. It runs smooth. On your, on your park and on my park at the go, you could go and pass a ball the next minute it bounces up and hits you in the chin. So <laughs> I think probably our best if you want to get the ball down in your parts is get it and play it wide. Yeah, that's it. Play it wide, crosses into the box, stuff like that. But in fact, in your part, it's probably harder to cross the ball at the top end in than the bottom, than the bottom end in. You're running down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned uh, John John Brogan there. Um, I think you had seven years under him at Yoker and three years at EK Thistle. Spells at Wisho and Lanark under him as well, I think, possibly. I went to Lanark with him and I lasted, I think, about three weeks at Lanark. All right. <laughs> but it wasn't to do with John. I think it was just there's some, there was something up there that I just couldn't settle in Lanark. It was, it was a weird one. Um, but probably the best one that he, he ever took me was Wisher. Wisher, he took me when I, I finished managing Simon and Tinto. He says, how do you like just come to Wisher with me? So I went to Wisher. It was probably October time. I was just getting back to fitness. And by the May, by the May, we were in the Scottish Cup semi-final. So <laughs> that was probably the best move I ever done. So it was... What, what, what kind of... I mean, do you think back to how he, how he managed... Now you're in the hot seat... You know, do, do you think back I, in... I, I, I still speak to John weekly, a uh, couple of times a week. I'm very pally with John, going well with him. Um, and I speak to him and I, pass, I run things through him as well. So he, he helps me a lot as well. So I've got him to call upon and got Rab to call upon as well. But John, John's way of management was, was, he was old school. John was proper old school. John was get the ball in the final third and play for there. That, that's, that was his old school. And that's where you, you learn for and, and he was successful. He was successful at it. So I, I got to a cup final, got pro, uh, a few promotions, three promotions, I think, with John. Uh, cup final, cup quarterfinals, Scottish Cup quarterfinals. We were very successful at the time I was with John. So um, you can only take positives for a manager like that. I think as well, if you look at Tucker, Tommy Sloan at Auchinleck, who he's quite... He's been on this show and I know like, Matt, did you know they you know they, they play a direct style and yep. like you say and get it in the final and I'd arguably Tuck has been the most successful manager at, at this level in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Definitely has been. And then and, listen, their their parts are bowling green and they still do yeah. it that way. So it's a, <laughs> and then get the Scottish yeah. play hearts, do you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. You mentioned your brother in law's no longer no longer with you at the club now? Uh, Alan, Alan came in as assistant manager at the start and goalkeeper coach, but his work, um, he just couldn't have come out. He was, he was always work. He was quite busy with his work, so it, it was just a mutual agreement that he just couldn't have come out anymore. And so 
that was at the time then we brought Drew in. So Nicky mm-hmm. then stepped up to assistant manager and Drew came in as a coach. So what's it like having your brother in law uh in the dugout with you? Uh, it was it was it was made well, Alan's a character as he's known. He's as mad as a March here. First of all, he? He's mad as a brush, he's mental. A goalie, a goalie mad. Aye, they need to be mad to play in goals. <laughs> he's, he's an exception, as he know. Aye, he's really, really, he was a really good goalkeeper um, and I had to call upon him four or five times this season, so um, I was glad yeah, that. I, how old he is? He's 52, I think, aye, 52. And played. Aye, and I had to call upon him. This was the thing, last Saturday we're playing shots, we're flying. Shots are in unbelievable form. I got a call at half ten in the morning again. My goalkeeper's not going to be able to make it. So I'm like, my other goalkeeper who I brought in, Colin McGraw, got him in. He was away for his anniversary. So I've now no goalkeeper. So I've had to phone Alan to come in and play. 52-year-old playing against top, second top of the league. And I'm like, it's just anything that can go wrong is going wrong this season. So unfortunately, we just... It, that puts you in a backward step straight away trying to go into a game with, with a 52-year-old goalkeeper in goals. So, um, aye, so that, I was pleased he helped me out that weekend as well. So he, he's done his turn. <laughs> and what about Nicky Patterson? Um, he obviously played professionally, didn't he? Motherwell Hamilton went over to America, came back, played down the leagues at East Fife and Stenhouse Muir and Albion Rovers. Um, must be good to have a guy with his kind of knowledge of that level of football to call on he's, as well. His knowledge is phenomenal. His training's brilliant. The guys love the training. Everything's with a ball. Nicky loves having the ball out for training, but it's the guys running. You can they have the ball. They think it's great, but they're actually doing a lot of work with the ball. Um, a lot. Listen, a lot of people old school want just run, 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 run. But I think the days are past now. I think you've got to involve the ball to make it interesting for them because if you don't make it interesting they don't want to come to training and that's the last thing you want is turning up to training with seven eight nine there and you're like where is everybody um so nicky listen nicky's played in the same teams as thierry on reeves that red bull new york red bulls uh and thierry on reeves there at the time and he was tra- in training with thierry on reeves so the the experience he's brought to it has, has been brilliant um so i it's been great to get him on board has he called Thierry to see if he fancies a quick game down at the guy? I think he can't keep my phone call. He came in and play up front for us, but <laughs> couldn't he give him up money? He doesn't want to run up the hill in the same <laughs> lap. <laughs> my name's Thomas Irvine, manager of Force Wanderers. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Les Mahego boss Neil Shonville is on the show this week. Well, Neil, we've, we've mentioned it already that, um, you know, we've, we've talked about management, but... Um, you talked about how it all started as an 18-year-old at at Coltness United at, at uh, the Victoria Park ground where where New Mains United play. When when, you, when it all started back out then, what, what were the hopes and dreams of uh, of you back then? What, were you hoping to kind of uh, have a career in football like so many so yeah, many do? That was always the dream, wasn't it? Um, started off there. I was I played boys club, obviously. Never really got a chance, but I, I was always sub when I was younger. Uh, I was always one of the smallest in my, my teams, and then 16 hot, and I, I started to sprout and I started to get in the team more. And then, as I say, we drew went to Coltness. John McGee was the manager, and we drew says, why, why don't you come to Coltness with me? I said, ah, I'll come to train and see what it's like. And it's just been onwards up the way for then. It, it's been it's been great. I've 20 God 
this will be my twenty second year, junior. Um, I keep saying junior, it's now senior, and I've made it. I'm a pro. <laughs> you did make it. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had a we were at Coltness. Then I went to fourth, but before that I had a trial at Stenhouse Muir. And that didn't go to plan, and then I went back, played before, Donny Pace, East Kilbride, um, Stonehouse, Lark Hall, Ashfield, Rutherglen, Glencairn, Yoker, a lot of teams. Dark Ken. Dark Cairn, yep, I was there as well, keep forgetting about them. <laughs> he, he only ever wanted to be a one club man, but just not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I one club a season. One club is, well, it must be about a club a season. Well, no, I was at Yoka for seven years. I was at Yoka. Aye, seven years I was there. I had a wee, a wee spell in between at uh, Glencairn, Rutherglen. Um, but see, I was at Yoka for years. I was settled. I knew what was happening. Glencairn had been up a few times to go and I eventually said, right, OK, I'll come. But, you know, if you leave somewhere, you're, you're, you're comfy at then you, you all, I could have decided to go back. So I signed back at Yoka after Glencairn. So... Um, ah, but that was that was I enjoyed Joker. It was a, a good club. We we talked about your style as a as a defender. I read somebody described you today as a seasoned centre half. Uh, was it always defending that that you was, did? Yeah, I would not want to be as complimentary <laughs> as that. <laughs> I, I can't believe he kept a straight face. He kept a straight face when I said that as well. <laughs> I'd say cultured centre half. Quality. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it always at the back you played Neil or did you have, have you just gone backwards? When I was younger, I started, I'll tell you that story. I was I was at Motherwell when I was ten. Me and me drew was at Motherwell. We played quite a lot of teams together. Started off at Motherwell. And Psycho came in. Colin and Neil. I don't know if you know Colin and Neil, yeah. right? So Irishman, loud as anything. And I was a, I was a, I wanted to play up front. I was a striker. Ten year old and he comes in and he says. You're never a striker, you're a centre-half, right? And I burst out any tears. I'm like, why do you play up front? He's like, you're a centre-half and that's where you're playing. So ever ever since then, that's where I've played centre-half. So it was Colin O'Neill, he said to me, he says, you're never a striker. <laughs> now you're the manager, you can play up front. I play wherever I want. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was, I mean, you said you burst into tears. I know you're only 10, but it was a position that you... You, you know, you genuinely kind of like grew into, and and you realised quite quickly that that was he was right. Oh, definitely, and I, I love playing at the back. I just, I listen. It's probably sounds silly, but I just love winning headers. It's uh, a, that's what I live on. That's that's my my bread and butter, if you please. But I, I just love winning headers. If I win a header, it's like scoring a goal. I was going to yeah. say, but a few goals for it as well. Oh, oh definitely. I've scored a few in my time. Um, scored against that one. He scored against us at Victoria Park. We won. I did, that was six four game. That was a promotion winning game, game. That was uh, it was a, that was some game. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said as well. I mean, you obviously had that length length of time at Yoko the seven years. When you look back over, was was that the you stayed there the longest? Was that the place where you were happiest, or where you had the you had the, the highlights of your career? You think back over the years. I know. I mean, you had a good. Three years at the Gow, didn't you, as a player as well? I did, uh, listen, it was a very successful uh, years at the Gow. Uh, I went there from Wisher, got just played in the semi-final for Wisher. Thought, oh, that's a peak, that's it. 
Oh, we see, see at the time I was saying if we, we were, I don't know, we, a goal away from taking it to penalties against Hurlford in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. Um, and I says, look, I always said to them, I changed, I says, if we reach the final, I'm retiring after the final. So I says, right, that's it. And I was, I think I was 36, 37 at the time. And Rab had phoned me, he says, look, you know, fancy coming to the go. They were rebuilding at the time. They had a bad season. They, I don't think they'd won one game all season. So they were rebuilding a full new team. And I said, ah, I'll give it a go. So went there and beyond. we got to the cup final, the League Cup. Then we get promotion. We missed out in the league by three points, I think. So um, ah, it was very successful first season. Then the second season, we just missed out in promotion again. Then the third was COVID. That was uh, that just killed it, the third season. So ah, it was very successful. But Joker was, was successful as well. I think we had two promotions and we missed out in promotion to the top league by a, a couple of points. Um, aye, so it, was, aye, it was good. It was good. I enjoyed Joker. It was probably aye, probably the most enjoyable club I was at was Joker for the years I was there. And with, with Motherwell, you said you were in there as a kid. What? What? How did that all end at Motherwell? I mean, did did, did you just go in the system and then as so often as this kid spat out and when it was. And at that time, you weren't, didn't really have the youth set up as, as it is now. It was you'd, you'd maybe a couple of teams, and then if nobody wanted to take that team, it just disbanded, and that was it. So it kind of finished, and we went our own ways. And my dad and Drew's dad started a team, and, and we played for them for a few years. So that was the kind of what happened there. You mentioned the the season when when the guy decided not to play uh, because of COVID. I mean, it was kind of described that there was almost like a dressing room exodus, wasn't it? It was like I know everybody did leave, but was there, was there any any ill feeling amongst the players that, that that they didn't play? It was kind of made to sound like there was a little bit of frustration that that the, that the team chose not to play. I think a couple of older boys, I myself, um, Chris Jarvey was there as well. So we were we were kind of old school and we're like, look, if we don't play this season, we're, you're going to we're going to have to stop playing because a year out at our age. You're never going to come back for that. So I think that was, it was a bit sore, but we managed to find other teams and go and play. And Chris went and played with yourself, Paul. So did uh, Dan Ligate, yeah. Ligate in for a, who just brilliant about the change room, a great, great guy. And Chris was brilliant for us as well. Uh, so, uh, and I went and played for Bells Hill. And he's done well there. You could go we did, off we did, we yeah, we were up the top. We were up near the top of the league uh, until it gets stopped again. So, and listen, I, I had already signed with Bells Hill for the, the season coming in. When the job came up, never thought I would get it, but I put my name in for it, and, and there I got it. So, why did you even get it, Neil? Because I always thought you would be the next manager. I always thought that it was the right fit at the time. I, I don't know whether I maybe thought I wasn't experienced enough as as any coaching. Ways went because I hadn't been any, hadn't been as a coach anywhere, I hadn't done any coaching for a, a junior team as such. So maybe that that's what I was looking at. But I thought well, I got on well with the committee, I got on well with Rab, got on well with all the fans up there. So I, it was maybe a good fit to to for me to go in there. But I, I maybe thought that we might have went for a wee bit more experienced. But listen, it's a lot of people are going down the different route now and going younger managers and giving that a go, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Did you do you miss those uh those days though when you were purely a player and you were playing full on and that's all you had to focus on and you were playing I don't know. sometimes you look at it and you say, Oh, I wish I was back playing all the time, I wish I was back here, but 
then it, it, see when you win games and you're a manager at the side, it feels it, it's so much better. I think is because they feel they all the players are playing for you and they've won a game and that it's, it's I don't know it's hard to explain, but it does it, it's a totally different feeling to winning as a manager to winning as a player. I think it's the preparation, Neil. Though. See when you're a player, you turn up. You play your game, win, lose or draw. Aye, there's players at heart we spoke about. You've got the euphoria of winning. But I, I can only speak for myself. But I, I'm, I'm, I know you, and you'll be the same. You prepare your training sessions on a Monday. You know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to work on. Was it something that we done on Saturday that we need to work on, or is it something going into this week's game that we need to work on? Uh, I always say to the players, everything we do, we do training sessions. With a purpose, it's not like we're going to go in here and just make up a drill tonight to do it. Everything has to be purposeful for the match the next Saturday. So it's the preparation. Then you've got the million phone calls in between trying to get a team. So-and-so's pulled out, your keeper's pulled out. You put So see when you get a result, it's all that week's work that a player yeah. will never, ever know that goes into it. So I think that's what makes it more like... And sometimes it's more of a relief than... I definitely, Sometimes it's like... Oh, we're through that this week. Like the old, the old saying it. Let's go again next week. That's that's like that's and that's what it is. So I think when you're a manager, it's that kind of build up the preparation. What that you've done, you think, do you know what? That worked this week. And I think there's an element of satisfaction, and there's also an element of satisfaction if you see if your games off the week before and you've managed to see the team because we don't have the luxury of scouts going out and watching all exactly. So, obviously, like we were at games on Saturday. If you see something, you think, right, if we play on him or if we do this or we do that, and then you go in and that works, that's that's satisfying. For me, that's that's like, do you know what? I've done my job there. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Uh, it's, it's the, the build-up, I mean, you're right, the, the players just turn up my Saturday, but as, as coaches, as managers, you're build-up for, for Monday to Thursday to Saturday. You're building up for that game. And it, and it's aye, it's a relief when you win. It's it's great, and it's but when you lose, it's one of the worst feelings in the world as well. It's it, it's you just feel it thrown the towel, and it's it's unbelievable when you lose a game. It, it, it deflates you so much. It's unbelievable. Just last of all, I mean, what what are your ambitions now? You're in the dugout. You you know you said you weren't sure if you'd get the get this gig, but. Is it kind of convinced you that this is the way you want to go and you want to kind of just become the best manager now in the same way you became the best player you could become? You want to become the best best manager? I definitely want to do the best I can and, and progress as high up as I can as well. Um, and hopefully that's taking Les Mahego up the leagues. Yeah. Um, because, listen, Les Mahego, they've shown that they give managers time. They, they stick with their managers. Um, Rab was manager for, I think it was 17 years. I might be wrong, but... I think it was 17 years, or he was associated with the club for 17, maybe 13 as a manager or something. I don't know for sure, but it's one of the clubs I think they, it's longevity. It's, it's um, the managers are there for a good bit of time, but as you say, results matter. Results uh, dictate. So we can only do our best and give it 100 percent, and I'll, I'll definitely be giving that at least Mahego anyway. So, but but just on that as well. You know, with these with these conferences and you know clubs of different levels playing in the same division as as, as clubs from you know from from lower down the levels, do you think clubs have you know should have and have been patient this season because this season's a you know 
a transitional season would be an understatement, wouldn't it? With some of the sort of the, yeah. you know, what we're sorting, you know, in Conference B with them, um, you know, likes of uh, playing Campus Lang against New Mains and Gart Cairn against New Mains right. and, and things like that. You clubs, look at, cl- clubs have had to be patient, haven't they? Or they should yeah. have been. You look at the money Campus Lang and Gart Cairn are flinging about, and then you look at the other, I mean, there must be six or seven teams in that league that shouldn't be anywhere near Campus Lang or Gart Cairn. And then when you're looking at your league, you're looking at Arthurley, Shorts, Whitlitz, Mabel. They're all budgets are phenomenal. The money they're flinging. We, as I, in my eyes, it will take three to four years for the leagues to level out and get you in a proper standing and where you should be. As I said earlier, you're looking at teams that are maybe overperforming this year, having a great season, but next season they might go in and they're like, well, we're well out of debt for you. We're in a league where teams that have come down for the Premiership, teams that are way spending money to get into the Premiership, and we've got nothing here. <laughs> so it, it can go for you, it can go against you. Maybe finishing in the, the League 2 can be a positive thing and you go and win the league or you go and get promotion, then the confidence is high and you take on next year and you go again and you're up-challenging at the top end. It swings and roundabouts and it, I think three to four years will take to level out the leagues and find their actual feet and where you should be. Hi, my name is Jamie Nesbitt, manager of Thornwood United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Just a reminder, we're looking for the club from well, we're looking from a club from SPFL League One all the way down the divisions. Give us those clues again, Paul. Now, if you don't get this. Honestly, Neil's got it, so we've got to go to you first. So they were founded in 2007 with an under-8s and under-10s team. They applied to become a junior side in 2015. They've had six managers in their short history. Rossville. So I was saying Rossville are gap here. What are you going for? Go for Gart Cairn. He was the winner. Hit the bar. <laughs> he played for them. You should have known when they were formed. He must have been on his back. <laughs> I never even got a tracksuit through them. That's how bad it was. <laughs> all, all that money and they couldn't get me a tracksuit to fit. <laughs> Fun memories, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I, I was at Gart Cairn. And Alec McDowell, you know Alec, right? I know Alec, Alec well. So Martin Peacock and Alec, I got in well with them, right? So when I went and says I'm going to go and I was at Gapkin before I went to Simon, I says I'm going to go to Simon to manage. And Alec McDowell said to Martin, don't release him, we'll be at Wisha in six months. <laughs> in fact, it was six weeks, he'll be at Wisha in six weeks. And he was right, I was at Wisha. <laughs> <laughs> Superb, well, Neil. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show tonight. Uh, appreciate you giving up your time and to to look back over things. And obviously, uh, not many games to go now, but wish you all the best and uh, in your pursuit of getting into into Division One for for next season. No, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again to our sponsors, Forty Four Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, a graphic designer, videographer, or video editor or a solution for your website. And don't forget, you can get in touch with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like like your audio featured on the show. 
Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.